In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast of the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday! Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And my favorite Frank Welker voice ever is, it's a tie between Megatron and Soundwave. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And uh, Brett's right. I mean, those are two pretty great. Uh, but I, I think my favorite Frank Welker voice is... Uh, Probably uh, Brain and Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget and Slimer. Slimer from Real Ghostbusters was awesome. Oh, those were all really good. Nah, there, there's no such thing as a bad Frank Welker voice, honestly. Nope. But nope. Um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be wonderful if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a bonus, you get a special shout-out on the next episode, so try it out. We get great feedback. You get a shout-out. It's all upside for everybody. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, we're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. Oh, oh, it's about to start. You ready? Ready. Popcorn? Butter. Nachos? Cheese. Root beer with red licorice straw? Right here. <laughs> Maybe it's time we made our new movie. Good idea, Scoob. But first we need a trailer. Oh, oh, can you do the trailer guy voice? Hmm. Well, let me give it a shot. <laughs> In a world destroyed by evil. Discover the epic origin story. The greatest team of heroes in the history of mystery. Not bad. Nailed it. That was from Scoob, the new animated reboot featuring Scooby-Doo, his best pal Shaggy, and the other members of Mystery Incorporated. The voice cast includes Zac Efron, Gina Rodriguez, Will Forte, Mark Wahlberg, and our special guest animation legend Frank Welker. Frank goes all the way back to the beginning of Scooby as the voice of Fred Jones in the original 1969 cartoon, and now voices the iconic talking dog. But that's just one legendary role in a career full of them, as Frank voiced Megatron and other characters in the original 1980s Transformers show, Wild Bill and G.I. Joe, Brain and Dr. Claw on Inspector Gadget, Slimer on The Real Ghostbusters, Darkseid on Super Friends, Garfield, Batman, Curious George... If you've watched any cartoons over the last probably 30, 40 years, you have likely heard his voice. Um, so, Frank, thank you so much for being here. This is Megatron, leader of the Decepticons, messing with your technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great to hear. Oh, this, uh, uh, this already feels like the greatest episode ever. My God. First off, thank you for joining us. But um, how are you holding up during this quarantine? Uh, actually, I'm doing well. I mean, uh, you know, the, the social distancing is just fine because uh, basically I'm, uh, I, I, I can't find enough people 
to play doubles in tennis so before <laughs> so now it's just like normal but actually uh for people in our industry uh, the studios have been amazing you know trying to kind of keep things going by allowing us to work at home so i'm currently uh, in the middle of getting my my uh, sound booth all hooked up and technically perfect so we can get some good recordings but basically uh you know i just feel bad for the rest of the country and for the people that are going through this but uh, so far so good out here well it's it's really cool that you're getting a sound booth so you can entertain you know today's generation just like you pretty much voiced our entire childhoods um but where does where does scooby-doo rank in your character pantheon scooby-doo well, you know, uh, if if you look back on my career, the first animated show I ever did was Scooby-Doo. I guess there was maybe, I don't know how many commercials I did, but I, I had done a few voiceover things, but never an animated show. So Scooby was actually the first, and here we are, uh, what, 51 years later, still making Scooby noises. So this is wonderful. I would have to put I'd have to put Scooby right up there for a lot of reasons, but that would be one of them because he was the first, and the show was the first, and it was the first for me in in uh, animated television. So you when you when you did Scooby Doo in 1969, you were actually the voice of Fred, and it's it's fascinating hearing you talk because I'm hearing Fred in your voice uh, for obvious reasons. How did you get involved in that role in the first place? Well, the way it came about, and I'll try not to bore you to tears with too much detail, but I was doing stand-up comedy in uh, in Los Angeles in a nightclub called Ledbetters, and Steve Martin was the other comedian. He'd work one night, and then I'd work one night, and then he'd work one night. So one night while I was working, by the way, I don't know whatever happened to Steve Martin, but I was working, and I guess he didn't get into the voiceover thing, but... One night when I was doing a dog and cat fight, this guy came in who was doing a Frisky's dog food commercial the next day. And he says, Frank, I'd love for you to come in and work on my commercial, my voiceover. And I said, well, okay, great. So I went in and Ted Knight was the announcer on it, by the way. He hadn't even done any of his television stuff yet. But uh, so I did this commercial and it just so happened that his fiance was the casting gal at NBC, uh, excuse me, ABC, and they were doing Scooby-Doo. So from that stand-up performance, I actually got a Frisky's dog food commercial and then went in and, and auditioned for, uh, for Scooby. And the fantastic Don Messick was doing Scooby, and I went, oh, okay, there's Scooby for you. And then Casey Kasem was doing Shaggy, and we were all auditioning, and Joe Barbera wanted... Uh, young people to do young voices because there was a handful of actors Mel Blanc, Dawes Butler, June Foray, I mean, you know them, and they basically did everything. They were so good. So, but anyhow, I digress. So, on the audition, uh, I wanted to do Shaggy because I thought, well, this is comedy and, you know, I'd love to do that. And Casey Kasem, he wanted to do. Uh, the straighter part, which was Fred. So we read for him, and then Joe said, no, let's switch those around. So I did Fred, and uh, Casey did, you know, that crazy, wonderful, shaggy voice. And uh, and 
you know, that's kind of how it worked out. And, and Joe said to me, he says, Frank, don't try to do anything. Just do your normal, normal voice, but, you know, maybe beef it up a little bit, you know? And I'm like, huh? So basically, Fred is my own voice, maybe with two or three cups of coffee, and then that's pretty much it. So uh, my own, my first animated voice was doing myself. So, and Zac Efron takes over the role of Fred in the new movie. How does he rate as a Fred? Well, you know, I, I tell you, I've been on the line with him giving him line readings over and over. I don't know if he's ever going to get it. No, seriously. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's got the looks. And I figure, you know, we're you know, typecasting. So, hey, what the heck? I think he's going to do a really good job. I think he's doing a really good job. And I've, I've actually seen a little bit, but I haven't really seen enough to uh, give him an A yet. But I'm, I'm going to give him a, yeah, I'm going to give him an A. The A plus depends on how much he does those line readings as, as suggested. <laughs> so you mentioned Don Messick. When you took over the role as Scooby-Doo, did he inspire any of what you ended up doing with the role when you, as you took over? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, out of respect for Don and for the fans, uh, I wanted to make it as close to Don and, and what he did and what the fans were used to as much as possible. And then, you know, with time, your own uh, personality and, and acting is going to get involved and intertwined. But basically, I tried to do as much as I could uh, to keep it consistent with what Don had. And we worked together for so long and we're friends and I knew him well in the sound. And obviously my career was uh, doing a lot of impressions. So I tried to keep it consistent. And then now it's been almost 20 years. So, you know, some of my DNA has sort of gotten in there, you know, I call it my Frank COVID-17, I guess. But <laughs> uh, So it's now it's it's a melding of voices. Yeah. The first Scooby-Doo episodes I remember watching as a kid were like the ones where you had the crossovers with like the Globetrotters and the Mamas and the Papas and Batman and Robin. Um, did you did you ever get to meet any of your guest stars like Phyllis Diller or the Globetrotters or anybody? The famous folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a couple of Globetrotters, and it seemed like it was Lemon at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they were just great, you know. And, and literally, I looked up to them man did i look up to him and um but they you know i just watched them on the court and then to see them actually you know recording was was great fun um phyllis diller i met i'd met i'd actually met her uh i think it was later on i did a a, a roast for george burns at one of those dean martin roasts and i believe i met phyllis on that but i met her before on a couple of shows and uh she was just a hoot Dick Van Dyke came in, uh, and Vincent, Vincent Price, I love Vincent Price. And then he came in and, uh, and did shows later. I mean, he did a lot of our shows actually. Um, and I love that voice, but, uh, yeah, it was always a treat for me because I've been a, a fan and I still am a fan of, of, uh, just about everybody I meet that's in the business because it's such a hard business to do. And, when you have something unique like those folks, it's, uh, it's just extra special to meet them. So with Scooby-Doo being introduced to a new generation of fans, what is it about this show that keeps appealing to viewers after so many years? Well, you know, that 
that is a really good uh, and classic question. And, uh, you know, if you knew the formula, boy, would I love to create a bunch more of those. But uh, I think that, you know, the comedy between Scooby and Shaggy, you know, like in, in most comedies, you have one straight guy and one comedian. And and the goofball, you know, there's the straight guy and the goofball, you know, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, so uh, on and on and on. And um, in Scooby, you got two goofballs, you know, so you've got your double your humor, and the, you've got the mystery mystery part of it, you've got the comedy part of it, you've got the friendship, the loyalty. So you see a lot of really nice things going into this. And it gives you a latitude for writing and a platform for fun. But I think that uh, they're just so funny together and they can play off each other. And um, the loyalty, the friendship is one of one thing, you know, so that's kind of a nice thing that I think kids can identify with and watch. And then to have that comedy and slapstick and, and you know, you look, Scooby and, and, and Shaggy, they, they like the same food. They're scared of the same monsters. They're scared of each other. They love each other. I mean, you know, it's just a, a fun kind of formula. And then you've got the gang with each, each person has their own special identity. And I think that the kids can have more than just one person. They can latch on to Shaggy. They can latch on to Fred or Velma, Daphne. So there's a lot of latitude there. And, uh, and having a mystery involved and then uh, being able to resolve it every week. I think it's just a combination of all those things. One of your other recent um, movies also brought back a classic character. You got to reprise Megatron in the last Transformers movie. How big of a kick was that for you? Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing uh, Transformers for so long and then, uh, I think it was the second feature I came in as doing some of the guest uh, robots and sounds and all that. So Michael Bay got me back in, but I wasn't doing Megatron, which was, of course, I really wanted to do. And uh, then, uh, you know, the to be able to recreate that character in, in the features, even though I changed the voice, you know, it's like uh, we started with, Megatron G1, and then it kind of transformed into Prime, Transformers Prime, and then into the features. So it was constantly transforming, and it always made it interesting and fun. <laughs> so I like that. I like being able to, to take him and transform him all the way and end up, you know, G1 and now. So uh, looking back over your career, I mean, you have, you have done voice work for countless um, TV series, movies, everything. Is there one character that you would love to do again? Uh, wow, let's see. Slimer was fun, but there was a, another version. Um, uh, well, let's see. I liked Hoover, Slimer, uh, Fall Apart Rabbit. Fall Apart Rabbit was a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's there's just so many that, uh, you, you know, you love them at the time, 
And then when you look back and you just look at one, you think, oh, man, that would be fun to do again. But I, there, there's so many. I don't know if I could find a favorite one. Probably, I think, doing Slimer was would be fun to do again. That show came up. Is there a character that you absolutely don't ever want to revisit again? For as long as you look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one. You know, I did a lot of... Uh, voices for films and videos and so forth. I remember doing uh, a Michael Jackson video during the thriller days and the director had me doing wolf screams. And he said on the first take, I mean, there was a lot of, he had to transform from a human into the wolf, you know, so there was a lot of screaming and all this stuff. So I'd start out and go, and then I turn into the <laughs> so I did that but I did it a lot stronger but I did that one time and the director said fantastic 40 takes later we're still doing it you know and I said I don't ever want to do that again that was enough but sometimes that happens you know when you're doing like a specialty video and the director's new and he's trying to make his mark he's not really certain of what he's doing and he wants this so but we really had it on the first take and when i saw it it was the first take of those of those kind of live action things that you've done in terms of like animal noises and and i I know you were in raiders of lost ark too um was there one is there one that like when fans find out that you did it that they're like it blows their minds yeah i will tell you one and uh and it was early in my career but believe it or not i did smokey the bear I did it for a short period of time and I was still, you know, pretty young in the business, a young kid, basically. Hi, I'm smoking the bear. You can be careful and you can put out forest fires. Don't let them start. Be safe. Smoking the bear. And that's one when I tell people, go, yeah, right. No, that's such and such and such, uh, which it is now. I'm trying to think of the wonderful actor's name. But um, it's kind of a strange big voice. And if you move in on the mic, which I can't really do here on uh, my TV mic, but I'm smoking the bear. Anyhow, you can make it big, but it doesn't seem like that would be a voice that would be coming from me. So that was one I think that kind of surprised folks. So another, another one of the, the movies you did, you did one working alongside um, Elvis Presley. Um, what was he like? <laughs> He was great. Again, uh, I think I got that job just because I did a lot of impressions and acted goofy, you know, so the producers hired me uh, to come in and be one of the, uh, I think I was Rutgers. We was four, it was Princeton's, Rutgers, Yale, and Harvard, yeah. And uh, we were sort of the, uh, oh, I, you know, in those Chautauquas that traveled around at the turn of the century and they were like medicine shows on explaining the movie, which you already know, I'm sure. But as these kids, we would, you know, put up the tent and, and solve all the problems and just be like Elvis's go-to guys for whatever he needed. So when they cast it, they were just looking for kind of young, fun kids. And uh, so I did all these noises and stuff. And they said, oh, wow, it'd be great. I bet Elvis would like him or whatever. I don't know. So we're working on the picture for like two weeks and no Elvis. And he was finishing up something in Hawaii and we're 
doing scenes and we're all through the picture, you know, huge, long scenes, but you'll see us everywhere doing this and that. So the day he was coming to the set, I remember it was just amazing. You know, everybody was so excited. Elvis is coming. Elvis is coming. And we hadn't even met him yet. So um, we were excited and, and they said, okay, we're going to do the scene because Elvis is coming in late. It's going to be the end of the day. We're going to rehearse it with a stand in for Elvis and uh, let's let's get this all organized so when he comes in we can just do it okay 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 so elvis would come in with the gal and then we would pick up his suitcases and we'd take them upstairs and you go upstairs and then of course hollywood there's a false landing there's no no room there but a space maybe by four feet by four feet maybe less and there's going to be four of us and elvis and we haven't met him yet so he comes to the stage and we rehearse it and we're all ready to go and they we don't even shake his hand or say hi. They say, Oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. So now we're looking at him, we grab the suitcases and we go up the stairs and Elvis is right behind us and we come and we open up the door and we close the door and my nose is literally in Elvis's chest. <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm thinking, Oh my god, this is Elvis Presley and it was not a disappointment. He was kind of chuckling, and he looked fantastic. He had this jet black hair, uh, a burgundy shirt, and a gray suit, and totally tan from Hawaii. And he goes, hey, man, nice to meet you guys. What's your name? And, I mean, he never stopped. He was such a nice guy. And then the next day, you know, we all met, and we had scenes together, and the producer said, oh, you got to Elvis, you got to see this, Frank. Do your, do your dog and cat fight. And so I did a dog and cat fight. And then at the end, I do a choking dog. So I, and this is, was Elvis's favorite. So I go. <laughs> and Elvis went ballistic. He says, hey, man, check it out. Hey, Rad, check this out. This guy does a choking dog, man. You got to see this. Unbelievable. Check this guy out. And from then on, whenever I saw Elvis, hey, man, do the choking dog. <laughs> That's my Elvis story. <laughs> Told you it was a long story. That's a great story. That's though. so good. <laughs> so I, it was a real treat. I, I really, really liked him. He was, and he was always a gentleman to us. Fantastic. Is there any roles that you did before you know, kind of the the pandemic happened that has, has yet to come out, or anything that you're working on right now that people can look forward to? Well, uh, of course, we've got our, our Scoob feature, uh, which will be released on May 15th. It is the first fully animated Scooby feature ever to be in the feature form, which was supposed to be in theaters on May 15th. And to be honest with you, I, think I was very disappointed because I, I love going to the theater and watching people's reactions and you know, we we're going to have the premieres and all. It was really going to be fun. But when you think about it, on the other hand, it's actually a pretty neat thing because you're going to be at home and you need entertainment in the family situation, a whole family being together to experience this. Because what I've noticed, I've been going out and I hadn't for a long time, but I went out on uh, some of these fan cons, you know, comic con type situations and uh, when you, when you meet people, they're just amazing, but I've met like generations of Scooby fans, you know, the grandparents and the parents and the kids. And it's generational since it's been on for, you know, over 50 years, we got a lot of people that really are hardcore Scooby fans. So I think this is gonna be like a real happening 
and the opportunity to be at home together, uh, I think could be really kind of extra special. So it was disappointing not being in theater, but I think it's going to be terrific being uh, able to watch it at home. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but it'll be available, I think, for, for 48 hours on pay, and then you can actually purchase it. But that's coming out on May 15, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be really fun. Well, uh, thank you, thank you again so much. It was an honor talking to you, and best of luck with Scoob and, and everything else going on in the future. Okay, yeah, I hope uh, hope everybody gets a chance to see it. It's going to be great, and like I say, it's going to be a happening—the first time ever a full-length animated feature feature. So, just remember this, though. Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, listeners, it's your turn. Are you going to stream Scoob? What's your favorite cartoon character of all time? Should Brian and I retire after this interview? Because this this might be our peak. This is our uh, peak. We have reached the pinnacle, the mountaintop. We've crossed the Rubicon. We've had Frank Welker on our podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23 And I'm at Brian Truitt. Don't forget, you can email us, too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. So that'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While we're there, please leave a rating or a review. We love the feedback. It helps other people find the podcast, and you get a shout-out. Everybody wins. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Later.